that spends all afternoon sitting by the radio waiting to pick up the perfect movies, music, video games, and pop culture of one of the greatest decades in history and package it just for you. We're your hosts. I'm Ben. And I'm Chris. And this is 80s High. Chris, welcome back. Welcome back. It's good to see you. Good to see you. How are things in your neck of the woods? Peachy. Peachy, one might say. Is that 90s or 80s, Peachy? Uh, well, I, I assume it's based on Princess Peach. There's the, that's the only reason. Obviously. And wasn't there Peachy Keen? Peachy oh, Keen. Everything peachy is just Keen Peachy is Keen. Peachy oh, yeah. Keen. We're chilling here in homeroom. We are not paying attention. We're throwing airplanes in the back. We're tilted back on two legs of our chairs. Yep. What do you want to spitball about here at the top? Well, I have one big announcement that's pretty exciting Ooh. that concerns not only the 80s, but 80s High Podcast <gasps> itself. Dun, dun, dun. You remember a little program in the 80s called, oh, I don't know, Reading Rainbow? <gasps> Butterfly in the sky. Oh. I can fly twice as high. Yeah. Hosted by the one and only LeVar Burton. Yeah. So Mr. LeVar Burton has a podcast now called LeVar Burton Reads. Oh, and yeah. he read, read. reads short stories that he and his team find out on the internet that he really likes. Oh, my God. What is happening right now? As it just so happens, as of this recording, he today read a short story by friend of the podcast, one-time co-host, and social media butterfly, Allison Dixon. Oh my gosh, no way! So he reads horror stories. He <laughs> well, reads this is not a horror story. She does not only, tales. She does not only do horror, but wow, this good for her. is... That's huge. John Dillinger and the Blind Magician. So if you like gangster bank robbers from the like 20s 30s see here kid chicago meets wow sorcery and magic do yourself a favor i mean you could go read the story it's on the internet but even better have lavar freaking burton read it to you and they even put in like sound effects and it's just wrap it up it's so professionally done it's amazing and super excited for Allison to have. I mean, this is like a big deal. LeVar Burton reading your own work. Imagine writing words on a piece of paper and then in a time frame later, hearing them come out of the mouth of LeVar Burton. Yes. And he does an amazing job reading it. It's super cool. LeVar Burton reads. I encourage listeners, go check it out. It's super cool. Downloading now. And then you had a couple things you were running to. Chuck out here in our room, right? <laughs> Nothing as important as that. I just, I want to throw out there, I'm loving Disney's The Book of Boba Fett. Mandalorian oh, was great. Oh. Yeah, yeah. But made me think of 80s High is we talk so much about reboots and remakes and extensions. Revivals. And revivals yeah. that yeah. just hit so poorly. Mm. And Boba Fett is not. It's it's the next continuation of what happens to the bounty hunter on Tatooine after Return of the Jedi. But what hits me so well on the show is I think Disney has hit on the right formula of nostalgia drops Mm. there's not overt 
fan service shoving you in the face. Like, there's not an episode about R2-D2 and building R2-D2. Like, okay, calm down. We know. We know we're supposed to love R2-D2. But it's like little less popular things from the various movies and TV shows that show up for like a little bit of an episode. Yeah. And you're like, oh my god, I totally forgot about XYZ in that movie. So cool to see it again. It's just the right amount in like the nostalgia salad Mm, uh, which okay. is a hard balance to strike. I'm very impressed by it. It's really good. I think the television medium does it well versus their movies, just because yeah. you have to pack so much into a movie that you really have to distill it to its essentials. I think also John Favreau is just amazing at it. He's oh, worked he's on both of it. these shows, and yeah. he's just killing it. So I think so, that magic combination is really doing well. Since the movies, you know, they've been not so great for the most part. Yeah, I'm, I'm there with you on that. So, yeah, I would recommend that. That's my 80s throwback. But All with that right. being said, uh, tis still. Wait, is it the uh, only thing? You, you've got a second I mean, I'll away? do the second one, but you're going to cut it. But I'll say it anyway. Um, <laughs> the other 80s news that I did catch today is that they, speaking of reboots, they are going to bring back the Naked Gun. Oh. Of Leslie as Nielsen a fame. a movie or a as television a movie. show? Starring... Well, it's helmed by Seth MacFarlane. Okay. And he is hoping to get Liam Neeson. These are intr- these are choices. These are these are decisions. These are being choices. Made. These are decisions. These are wow. That's okay. You know what? Maybe Liam is freaking hilarious and can play <laughs> slapstick goofy with a serious face. We know he can do a serious face, sure. right? A very serious, very stern. You know, so- I don't know. We know he has a very specific set of skills. I don't know if slapstick comedy is in them, but we're about to find out. Yeah. Okay. You know. We'll you know what, Ben? Just for spite, I'm going to keep this in. You said I was going to cut it. It's in. <laughs> it is locked, in. loaded it's in the movie. It's in, in the, the podcast. Well, Ugh. look. It is the season of love this month, and I do not want to keep anyone waiting with their love. So I'm hoping that my Valentine has put a little. Uh, announcement on the speaker oh. before we get into the topic we'll, we'll see if my note made it in and it, or maybe it the or, yeah i was gonna say maybe they play a whole mixtape oh over the pa what a move that would be all right oh. let's listen in attention 80s high i'm reagan price here to share today's homeroom announcements are you a square peg in a different world are you suffering growing pains from family ties are you a golden girl looking for a night rider well you're in luck kate Allie and a couple of perfect strangers suggest joining the class of 80s high to let the whole school know who's the boss. When you join, you'll get to the head of the class faster than Doogie became a doctor by suggesting show topics, sending corrections, sharing opinions, and memories of the 80s to be read on the show. Take your floppy disk to the computer lab after school today and email 80shighpodcast at gmail.com. That's 80s. And while you're there, Follow 80s High Podcast on Instagram and Twitter. Today's lunch menu will be a half-baked, inexplicably square-cut slice of French bread pizza, a silver spoons full of tater tots, and the ever-appetizing mini carton of chocolate milk. After school today, Zach Slater, Jesse, Kelly, Lisa, and Screech, a.k.a. the Friends Forever Club, will be meeting up for burgers, shakes, and the recording of a mysteriously funded medium-quality music video at the Mogwai's Max. If you'd like to be a background extra with no lines, be sure to say good morning to Miss Bliss and do your best to cleverly evade Mr. Belding before he gives you detention. Also meeting after school today are the Designing Women, 
All Anthonys are welcome to join. Location note. In spite of the club featuring two very popular sugar bakers, this meeting will not take place in the home at Classroom Kitchen. Instead, Designing Women will meet in the library where reading is fundamental to discuss the night the lights went out in Georgia. Thank you, 80s High. Have a radical day. Go Mogwise. That's great. All sounds good. I'm excited. Can we get down to history class and get down to mixing? Oh, there's a lot of down getting. Get down, yes. get down, get down. <laughs> Since Reagan loves it when we name dances, I am going to do the Charleston down the hallway, the listening to a mixtape from the 30s, I guess. Oh, I'm just going to become mayor of Mixopolis, and I'm just going to work it on down. I'm going to swirl it on down the highway. <laughs> God, Reagan, come back on the show. We miss Reagan. Absolutely. With that being said, yes. down the hall. Down the hall. This week, we are talking about mixtapes because Valentine's Day is this month. And in the 80s, if you wanted to say, yo, I got a thing for you, it was bound in the poetry of a mixtape. As always, Chris, can you kick us off? What is, was a mixtape? So a mixtape is a creation. It's usually like this compilation of music or songs carefully crafted and curated Mm -hmm. with your recipient in mind, whether you're making it for yourself. I want all my favorite hits when I'm driving to school or, as Ben mentioned, I want to tell my crush what I really feel about them. And Mm -hmm. I can only do it through the miracle of recording songs on a cassette tape in a specific order. Oh, yeah. In a specific way. Perfect. There it is. Nailed it. Crushed it. So history class is going to be broken up into sort of two sub-segments this week. We've got engineering and culture. So let's start with engineering. So before the audio cassette came around, making your own custom recording of multiple tracks was incredibly difficult. Yeah. You usually needed a lot of really specialized and like really cumbersome, heavy, like serious equipment. This, this wasn't in the portable days. This was like the studio that equaled what NASA had to like launch the Apollo missions. It's all this hardware, reel to reel, a track recorder and, and like casual music fan like you and I, there's no way we could get a hold of this stuff. You just couldn't do it. Yeah. But let us fast forward to Deutschland, the Berlin radio show <laughs> in 1963. <laughs> When uh, the compact audio cassette by Philips appeared. That's when we first got the cassette tape in 63. Yeah. But just like every first gen of hardware that comes out. A little janky. As the Germans would say, nicht nicht so gut. Nicht so gut. (laughs) Uh, It just was not great. It didn't sound good enough. It worked. It did what they had hoped to. But it wasn't really until the advent of chrome and metal tape where like the recording was much more crisp, it was cleaner. Um, you know, it's like sort of a magnetic process, so things got arranged a lot better uh, on mm-hmm. it. So, th- so the audio was much clearer. And of course, with all tech, it starts to get smaller and smaller and smaller. We all remember like the Zach Morris phone back oh, in the day, yeah. his cell phone. And now think of like some of the tinier little computers that fit in your pocket and all they do. It just takes a while for this stuff to be good for the consumer audience. Mm-hmm. So this keeps shrinking down for consumers until the point of where all you need are some blank cassette tapes and a cassette recorder uh, or some kind of audio source where the music's coming from and you're ready to rock and roll. And there's you mentioned one unbeknownst at the top of the episode. Really two advances for cassette tapes happened really near the end of the 70s that really okay. make it like the prime time to rock some cassette tapes. What could be those musical pieces of hardware that are critical 
for mixtapes to take off? A boombox? You're on the right path for one. What is much smaller than a boombox? The Walkman? The Sony Walkman premieres in 1979, where with a carefully crafted mixtape, there is no break between your beautiful musically selected poetry and the eardrums of who you want to hear it. Sony Walkman, Mm. great. And also, I saw there was an anniversary recently, so I'll give you a little hint. All right, all right, all right. That sounds like Matthew McConaughey. It is Matthew McConaughey. A, a perfect impression, if I may say so myself. Uh, I'm really struggling to see what McConaughey has to do with this. Who loved cruising the main drag in his car because he had a sweet sound system. So as car entertainment okay. systems adopted the cassette player from 8-Tracks. That was a stretch. You got to give that to me. That was a hard it was leap a, it to was make. A long okay. stretch. All but right. your point, not a remix tape is made to woo. Many are meant to rock out on a road trip or driving yeah. around. True. So as those two pieces of music playing hardware came in, we were rock and rolling. When they first came out, it was kind of 60 minutes were, was how much recording time you got in the tapes. But then later they came out with the XL series with 90 minutes. Extra and, long. And that's 30 or 45 minutes per side, right? That right. Thank one you. side, you got to flip it over to the B side, and then you get your second 30 minutes. And I'm jumping ahead to chemistry, but for someone who is nervous in high school, which is like most everybody, especially when you're trying to approach someone that you are interested in, mm. and you're like so easy to bumble over your words to sell someone you like them, you get someone's undivided attention for 90 minutes in your mixtape, and you don't have to say a word. Hopefully. The, the professional singers say it for you. If they quit before that, oof, that's rough. But you may not know. You that's may not know. You may yeah. never know. There were a lot of labels who did this. So you had Maxell, you had BASF, Sony, Memorex, and TDK. Those are some mm-hmm. of like the main ones that made cassette tapes. Mm-hmm. That is the it for my history portion. And I want to move into culture. And culture took me on a crazy ride that I did not anticipate. And I'm so glad. All right. Because yet again, like Pat Benatar, like Elaine Boozler, I am tiptoeing into unknown territory. But this is great because the hosts get to learn along with the listeners. That's true. In culture, the mixtape really started with hip hop and R&B. Mm-hmm. That's who really gave it its acceleration, its launchpad. It's, did you find like something similar that you were Googling out there and then researching? Yeah, there's basically, when you talk about mixtape, there's two phenomena. You have the, the culture of what we're sort of talking about, where I'm going to yeah. make a tape for my crush. And then there's the more um, professional way of, I want to get my music into the hands of somebody who can maybe hear this and want to produce or help me make an album and become famous or, you know, hit my break sort of a thing. And, and I think that's where the the hip hop roots of this come from is making these mixtapes as a way to promote yourself. Exactly. So just like Alien in the 70s led to amazing movies later on in the Alien franchise, this mm. also starts in the 70s to really lead to 80s culture. Yeah, yeah. So this is really like a DJ thing. And it really hits off in New York City, which has had a huge hip-hop and R&B scene in the 70s and the 80s and forward. I mean, still today, I mean, that city has been known as a hip-hop mecca forever. Mm. Mm. And so the, really the thing was DJs were producing these on their own. And like you said, kind of, kind of selling them or handing them out. In clubs, two friends, on the streets, wherever they were, A, to just get the name out about their DJing skills and what they were all about and their style, but also maybe we'll find out a little bit later to try and avoid some copyright infringement because there's some sure. sampling of other music that's already out there in some of these. Okay, yeah, yeah. So it's really led by DJs Grandmaster Flash and the Furious Five, hmm. Africa Bombada, 
and the Soul Sonic Force uh, is part of Africa Bombada, and then Cool Herc and the Herculoids. I love that name. I really want to go fun. look up and listen cool to them more. Herc. That's super good. Come on, DJ now. Hollywood. Um, these guys would often like just record their live club performances and call this a mixtape. Like, here's mm. what I did Friday night. Here's a copy of it. Right. It's sort of like I think uh, one person on this recording is a massive Dave Matthews fan. Some have said. Some have said. And Dave Matthews, I would say like half his discography, maybe more, is like live recordings from a particular show he did. Yeah. And that's like really cool, right? That's a very special time of recording and you get a different vibe. And I kind of see that how these mixtapes were. It was kind yeah, of a that thing. makes sense. You know, it's like theater. This is the one special night where it happened. Get the recording. Right, right. And there was just so, what I think I thought was really cool culturally is like getting your hand, you know, that's a limited release. I don't know how many cassettes a DJ can crank out based on their one night last week. But that gave you street cred to have a copy of that mixtape. If they're only, I don't know, 100 in circulation, right. you've got one of those recordings. And that makes you like, oh, my God, you've got one of, you know, whoever, Grandmaster Flash's recording from last month. I heard that was off the chain. And like, it's huge. I just imagine someone, you remember how there's the boom boxes that had the two cassette decks yes, in it? And you can exactly. play on one and record the other. I just imagine yes. someone's living room with like eight of those <laughs> all copying that set onto these different tapes so it's like okay i can make 10 per hour so you just got them all churning out it's huge it was ethical it's not like now it's so easy now and these party tapes were kind of like how these djs got the word out before they ever hit radio and you know you might hit radio you might hit record deals with it but it really was like helped to like build that it's almost like guerrilla marketing it's like building that groundswell before you discovered Right. And before this, like, if you wanted to lay down, like, a mixed compilation of people, the scene that I thought was the most perfect, and this is going way back in time, this is probably skipping some steps in music history, but, like, uh, do you remember Oh Brother, Where Art Thou? Of course. And the guys are on the run, and they're brought into the radio station, and they sing Band of Constant Sorrow. Sure do. That's what you had to do. If you wanted to do a compilation, you are recording live, pressing the vinyl, just doing people in a studio. That's how you Literally do it. cutting a record. Literally, which is, I don't know, that's kind of cool, but also like, wow, yeah. that's hard. Yeah, yeah. So I talked to you about who paved the way in the 70s, but by the mid-80s, now you've got DJs Brucey e. B, Kid Capri, Doo-Wop, those names came up a lot, and SNS. And these guys are now not only just producing like mixtapes and party tapes of their club sessions, but they're also making their own music and mixing it and putting it out on these mixtapes. It's it's more of an origin, their own their own music, uh, right, right. which is which is awesome. Hmm. There's two names, and one name we're not going to get to until contemporary culture. But the first name that kept coming up in every single thing I could find that I read and listened to about this was DJ Clue. DJ Clue in this time period really. It was so much it almost became hyperbole, but every time I saw it, they used the word revolutionized mm. the mixtape game because it wasn't just about, like I said, a DJ's party mix or their set on a tape from like last weekend or whatever, but they started on these different albums. Uh, DJ Clue would put exclusives. Like he'd write a new song that nobody had heard yet anywhere and he'd sneak it on this tape and get it out. And he like wouldn't make a huge deal about it. Mm-hmm. It would be this sort of like secret groundswell. You know, and that was such a cool thing. Is, and when you were a teenager or a young kid, when like you felt you knew something culturally that no one else had found yet. You had the cheat code for Contra 2 yes! that no other kid had in your school. <laughs> Which I'm sure paid dividends in socializing, right? Like if you if people knew you knew Contra, you'd get invited over to play Contra. It's true. Because you knew yeah. the code. If you knew the secret song no one else knew. Boom. People want to come over and hear it on your stereo. Like, what's yeah. up? 
cruise around in your car and hear it. That's right. So as an example, one of the things Clue did, he uh, and this is like the most infamous thing that he did, he had Biggie Smalls, Notorious B.I.G.'s Juicy, on one of his mixtape cassettes. Prior to that album's release, the official release by B.I.G. that had that song on it. Mm. So like Clue is on air on a radio station called Hot 97 and Biggie Smalls calls in during it. He's like, yo, you cannot be playing this music. This is I have a record deal. This is breaking my contract. Oh, geez. And it was like this very heated exchange live on air, which would have been freaking epic. It's really cool. Right. Uh, Very, very (laughs) cool. So last thing about DJ Clue is his most popular mixtape that ever came out, he called Clue Minotti, which I just think that's kind of fun. That's creative. That's amazing. It's good. Clue Minotti. It's great. I love it. We're coming down the home stretch in the 80s of hip hop mixtape masters, if I may call them as much. But a couple of the names I want to throw out there and really popular mixtapes that people listening you know, might recall and, and bring back some memories. Um, DJ Premier had Crooklyn Cuts, which was super popular. Touches had Power Sypha. And DJ Spinbad's Rock the Casbah. Uh, Those were all some of the biggest mixtapes out of hip-hop in the 80s that were just Mm. massive. Very special to get your hands on. Yeah. And what I think, I'm I'm stepping into contemporary culture a little bit, but I think we're going to lose it when we talk about chemistry, is this idea of DJs doing their sets on mixtapes is sort of like the early era of, like, mashups. Hmm. Even DJs today, you blend from one song to another, and sometimes they have no relevance. Yeah, yeah. This is sort of the start of that. This is sort of the genesis. Mm -hmm. And really, this changes at the end of the 80s, because every time, this happens every time. A corporation gets its hands on it, and now it stops being cool. (laughs) (laughs) And so, I'm sure all of us have owned all sorts of compilations and mixtapes at some point that are professionally produced by Columbia or B&M or something. Was it like totally 80s or that's so exactly. 80s or whatever? Yep. yep, yep. Exactly. And so then that's the whole huge propagation. It became a billion dollar industry uh, in a decade from being cool and private and, and very personal, which is going to be big in chemistry. Sure. As far as the 80s, is there anything else you uncovered about the history of mixtapes? Yeah, so I found a little bit just kind of about the art of cassette culture. Ooh. In this book called Mixtape, The Art of Cassette Culture, that released in 2005. And there's this really cool quote that I pulled from this book, and it said, The mixtape is a form of American folk art. Pre-digested cultural artifacts combined with homespun technology and magic marker turn the mixtape into a message in a bottle. Oh, nice. I am no mere consumer of pop culture, it says, but also a producer of it. Mixtapes mark the moment of consumer culture in which listeners attained control over what they heard, in what order, and at what cost. Which I thought was great because it is this part where you go from just being a consumer of a thing to a producer. And I feel like that's the same thing when like VHS recorder, like camcorders hit the market. Now kids, average people could create Mm. when computers come around and you get Photoshop or video editing software. Suddenly you could be the producer. And now we have social media and it's so easy to produce things Mm -hmm. through TikTok and Instagram and so forth. And it's just like the bottlenecks or the gatekeepers are kind of pushed aside. I mean, they still exist, but I can self-publish a book now. I can make my own movie. I can cut my own song and put it on the internet. I can make a podcast. (laughs) In no time at all. In no time at all. 
And so I, I just thought that was like, yeah, this is kind of the first time where we had a little bit of control of it. And I think that's really cool. It's an interesting turning mm. point. And I love the, the last part of that and at what cost. Because as I think we'll get into in chemistry, mm-hmm. people would spend a lot of yes. time creating these tapes. Yes. And the amount of care and perfectionism and I need to get this just right and just waiting, the amount of yeah. waiting yeah. was huge. But you were willing to do it because of what it meant. And I just... I thought that was just a great quote, so. That's brilliant. You know, I wonder, when I'm trying to think of this concept, and you you teed it up great with what you just said, the concept of mixtapes as in how we wanted to introduce this topic is sort of an individual pulling an amalgamation of previously created art by various artists Mm -hmm. to express a new message about themselves, usually for an audience, but not always if you're doing your own, like, This is my road trip jam. Like, nobody needs to care about it. This is all my favorite hits. Right. To your point, the mixtape is a much more accessible thing. Mm -hmm. It's the democratization of music production for hip-hop and R&B. Again, in industry, lots of barriers for different people to get into and break through. And for youth to create, to your point. I think it's awesome. I'm very excited about it. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's where it came from. Mm -hmm. But I think everyone is begging to understand what our experiences were with mixtapes. They are on the edge of their seats right now. <laughs> We've caused one rear-end collision so far just because they're waiting. Waiting with breath that is baited. So this one goes out for Reagan again. I'm going to walk backwards <laughs> down the hallway. Not a moonwalk, but a rit walk uh, for my mixtape to talk and chemistry about it. I'm going to hopscotch. <laughs> Hopscotch. We're going to hopscotch. I love it. All right. I'll see you there. Okay. At the top here, the mixtape on the personal level. Mm. You know, like I already mentioned, if you're lucky, you have your audience's ears for up to 90 minutes on these extra large ones to convey your message. Mm. And honestly, I think what's one of the big powers here is you have the chance to supplant yourself and that person's or that audience's memory forever. <laughs> whether whether like it, it was terrible and you bombed trying to tell a crush that like, oh my God, I'm 12 years old and this guy put hungry like the wolf to kick it off on the love yeah. mixtape. Whether you bomb or you crush it and it's amazing or like, I don't know, let's say you make a mixtape for your sports team that's going to state for high school and you're going to listen to it on the bus ride there to psych you all up, everyone's going to be like, I remember we are the champions riding home on the bus from that mixtape because we won state. Like, you have the chance to be a legend music-wise <laughs> in your audience. It's very cool. It's very powerful. Which brings me, I want to know your power level. Have you, Chris, made and or received a mixtape? I believe the answer to both of those is no. Oh, okay. I... No, I made CDs Yeah, in the era of cassette tapes. I was in grade school. Sure. Obviously, they went into you know my teen years, but really CDs kind of picked up then. I remember making mixed CDs. I don't ever remember making a mixed tape. I remember getting blank tapes and like our friends, my friends and I would like record, like we act like we're like newscasters and we would record like fake news shows. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I remember doing stuff like that, but I wasn't huge into music as a kid. And what I did listen to is just kind of for me. Mm-hmm. So I didn't really engage in that, uh, if that makes mm-hmm. sense. And I don't ever remember getting 
a mixtape from anybody. <gasps> yeah. Christopher. Trust me, I'm not in any sort of emotional pain because of this. But Ben, I can only imagine knowing you. You created 395 of these and received probably at least 72. You're very close on the numbers, <laughs> both. I tried to go look at pictures to see if I could get the model. My parents in my late single digits, I got a stereo for Christmas that had two tape decks mm-hmm. and a three CD changer up top. CDs were just Ooh. coming up. CDs weren't blank yet. You couldn't do the CD recording. Right. That's coming a little later, which we'll get to in contemporary culture. But that thing was amazing because you could record from the CD deck or the tape deck into the other tape. Mm-hmm. And I loved it. And I think you'll appreciate, very early on, I loved comedy cassettes. Oh, yeah. Uh, stand-up comedy. And my earliest memories of making cassette tapes were for myself, mixing my favorite bits that I heard from different comedians. I remember having a, a mix that was largely Eddie Murphy, but out of order. Okay. <laughs> in like in order of whatever jokes I thought were the best. Right, uh, with right. A little, with a little George Carlin sprinkled in there, I remember. Okay. yeah. Which was awesome. But definitely later in the 90s when CDs came out, I was a factory. I made <laughs> so many mixed CDs for myself. Did you get those like spools of like, yes, spindles big, of like a like, hundred spindles. and you're like, just Absolutely. loading them all up? You know, I'd make a lot for myself uh, for road trips or trips we were taking, or I was in theater a lot. I was in sports and I would make like, you know, psych up mixes for everyone, like get pumped to go like out on the field or hit the stage. Yeah. And I definitely made a lot of like, yo, what's up? Mixed CDs for, okay. for crushes. But I couldn't recall like a specific memory of like the effectiveness of, of right. any of those. I have some more memories with CDs and getting into the 90s and 2000s. Like that's where I do have some memories of giving and receiving. I just wouldn't consider them mixtapes though. They were more yeah. just like my friends had songs that I wanted and so they'd burn them all on there. It wasn't this oh, careful yeah. crafting of like yeah, yeah, yeah. it's in this order for a specific reason – it usually wasn't that. It was more just like, hey, I have a bunch of songs. Do you want them? Oh, yeah. And then I would burn a lot of CDs for driving around. I probably had – you know, remember that um, CD sleeve you'd have above your um, – It would like strap to the sun visor in the, the car? The sun visor, yeah. And yes. it'd have like 20 or whatever. And yeah. you just slot them all in there. I would have those and I would probably have like 10 different CDs of oh, just like – These are different mixes of songs I wanted to listen to. However, I had categorized them. I have a vehicle that uh, has neither a tape deck, nor an auxiliary jack entry, nor Bluetooth, but it does have a CD player. Oh. And so the vehicle's loaded with mixtapes that I made nice. in like high school. <laughs> <laughs> which are like, uh, and one is actually titled Summer Mix 2000, Ooh. Uh, which is a lot of fun. It is mostly music of that time broken up by stand-up comedy bits. That's what I was, that's what I was loving at the time. I love it. It's sort of a mixed media. It's not just music. You got a little comedy in right, the mix right. there. I mean, and you it's, know, it's interesting. I'm, I'm more of a giver than a taker. So I can't say I've gotten as many mixtapes as I've made, but I've definitely gotten, I mean, I was uh, getting mixed CDs as gifts up through like maybe five or six years ago uh, for different purposes and reasons. It's a lot of fun. Actually, I think I last, believe it. I believe it. For sure. But we also, I mean, it was good to share our stories, but we yes. did ask the class of 80s high. We did. Have you made or received mixtapes? And we got... We got some answers. Yeah, we got some stories. So one of our listeners said, I never made a tape, but do CDs count? The answer is yes. Yes. Emphatically, yes. They are just the the next iteration of the mixtape. 
I made a mix for a girl I broke up with in high school after she cheated <gasps> on me. Oh, Ouch. No. So this isn't the, I want to date you. This is the cathartic, how dare you. <laughs> that vengeful my heart out. Yeah. This is like total eclipse of the heart. What else is on this one? There's, um. um let the bodies hit the floor. Let the bodies hit the floor. <laughs> So this person goes on to say, top hits on theirs included tracks such as Runaround Sue. Oh, definitely those cheater vibes. For sure. And uh, this is from, uh, hold on. This is by it's not listed here. It's Meredith Brooks. Mer- that is her name. Memory. I was about to, yeah, good job. I'm a bitch. I'm a lover. <laughs> Oof. I think you get the idea. We sure do, listener. We <laughs> sure amazing. do. Oh my Heart God. removed. Oh Ugh. my God. Well, this person, I swear to God, I didn't write this, but this I connected a thousand percent. They said, I used to keep a tape in the stereo just at all times, just waiting for one of my favorite songs to play on the radio so I could record it. So I would have mm-hmm. a mixtape of random radio songs when they were like, but this would be 90s music. So I think songs like Semi-Charmed Life. Closing time. Oh my God. I think I had Sugar Ray on almost every mixtape at that time. Every morning. Yeah, totally. That was just like me, where like I'd be in my room doing homework, and I'd have a mixtape in, listening to the radio, yeah. just waiting for like a song I liked. So like all my mixtapes would miss the first two seconds of every song. Couldn't you hit play and record and then pause, and then as soon as it was ready, Unt- hit take pause it again, and yeah. it would go, so it'd be like queued up, and like you were yeah. locked and loaded, ready. Like, and I, you know what's one of kind of the interesting bleeding mediums of this time is when you would download. I, I would never do this. I only read about this in stories because I would never do this. <laughs> but at this time, when you would start to rip songs off like BearShare and LimeWire and Napster, mm-hmm. sometimes those audio files would have radio DJs yeah. talking before or after the song. They'd be like, now, new yeah. on Q95, Semi-Charmed Life. And then it yeah. would come in. Or they would talk over part of the song, yeah. which is even like the song would start and those dumb, dumb DJs were like, shut up. <laughs> And this, I think this is a blend of people capturing those purely off the radio to start with. For sure. On a CD or a cassette and then transferring that into the interwebs yeah. to be pirated around the world. You know, if you think early days Napster, a lot of songs hadn't been formally converted to an MP3 yeah, or right. even like a WAV format and readily available. So sometimes if it's an old song, the only one you might actually have is that 1980s copy you made loaded onto your computer and whatnot so yeah yeah it's great memories it's good. Uh, it's good. another listener says i made tons of mixtapes as a kid and each one had a different theme love it i started with mixtapes for rap music and then it progressed throughout the years i would have feel good mixtapes and ones that reminded me of different people in different times throughout my childhood I think that's great. I think a lot of people yeah, awesome. can identify with that i'm jumping to contemporary culture but if i open itunes on my phone right now do you have playlists on your iPhone? I do. This is a great book into the curated music of Ben. Okay. My playlists are classic Nintendo. All right. Current jams is what okay. I call it, which is yeah. like that works very well. Exercise. Sure. Motorcycle. Mm-hmm. Tropical. Ooh. Which is like reggae and stuff. Sure. Uh, TV themes, which you've played that game with me before on road trips. Oh, yes. And then last but not least, video games. That's like contemporary video games as opposed to like classic 8-bit Nintendo. That sounds very Ben. Very on point. Uh, the only other one here starts off the exact same way as the one that you read. It says, I made tons of mixtapes, but they were always for me. Mm-hmm. And by the time I was in a, quote, trading music for emotional reasons place in my life, they had been <laughs> supplanted by burning CDs. That was really interesting. Trading music for emotional reasons. Oh, yeah. Uh, that's good. 
they said I must have burned a hundred CDs for friends and girls between high school and my young manhood. <laughs> I, this person sounds really interesting. I, I want to hang out with this person and learn more. I can kind of identify with that and the whole idea of like, by the time I sort of got to this stage where I was into music and wanted to do this and identified with friends or with people that way, it really was more in that CD era. Absolutely. You know, what is equally as important with the mixtape, with what you want to say, is what you've been listening to, that you're a good listener. And we are not stopping listening to the classmates of 80s High in this episode. It's their show. It's now their show. It really is their show because next I want to get into, you know, we've alluded to it in some side comments in history. Yeah. Really, what are the essential skills necessary in making the perfect mixtape for your crush? Oh, okay. That may not be the same if you're making it for a a friend or for yourself. A little different. All right. And the first one out of the gate, they say patience. Recording music on tapes takes a long time. And I want to point out here, a long time. Yo, exclamation point. Uh, compared to just how fast it is to just transfer MP3s or music files today. How does the patience aspect hit you? Patience is huge. It's essential because, as we mentioned earlier, sometimes you're waiting with that record and play button pressed down. Yeah. And you got the pause button. You're like, okay, as soon as this comes on. And you didn't always know when songs were coming on the radio. Sometimes they'd be like, coming up next hour, we got la do But they... <laughs> But they weren't But they were like the next three songs at these times, you know, like <laughs> Weather Channel was eventually like local weather on the eights, right? So yeah. you knew at 808, I'm gonna oh, get yeah. my local weather. This wasn't what radio was like. So yeah, mm-hmm. patience was a virtue. Especially if you were trying to convey something very specific to your crush. Yeah. You had to get it just right. Yeah. No forgiveness. Right. Mm. I didn't think this was gonna come into this episode, but here it comes. Oh dear. Veering its ugly bridge troll face. Oh dear. Marketing. And the reason you didn't know when songs were going to come on, obviously, I've, you know, radio stations are selling advertising space on air, but that advertising time is only valuable for how many listeners you got going on. Yeah. And radio DJs are smart. They know what songs are hot right now, they know what you want to hear, and they're going to bury it in the show with a bunch of other songs to make you sit there and wait and listen through all the ads and all the other crud. Until you get the song you want. That's true, because it might be coming up in the next hour. What are you going to do? You're going to listen if you want to hear that song for an hour. How many times have you heard, like, when you hear Journeys, arms wide open, call 955-822, be the fourth caller to win, and then you have to sit around for a while to wait for it. Mm. I think the next point is really good, and I I do want to talk about it. What was the the next tip? Yeah, so this listener says, you got to nail their unique style mm-hmm. exclamation points very we have very enthusiastic classmates this you time. know what the flavor text and the punctuation matters in these it responses really does. and listeners we take it seriously if you include it we will yeah. emphasize it oh yeah give me your intero bangs left and right i need them so if you put three periods like no thank you we're gonna put that in there because that matters but yeah i mean you needed to this was not just about you this was about you understanding that crush and what they liked. It's like when a kid doesn't understand other people. So it's like, it's your mom's birthday. And like a kid gives mom a fire truck because that's the kid's favorite toy. 
for all you toddlers listening right now, <laughs> for, all, for all of our toddler listeners, for all of our four-year-old audience, <laughs> our four-year-old audience, which is huge, huge. Your mom does not want your fire truck. I'm just going to throw it out there. Your dad doesn't want it. Nobody wants it except you. But that's the thing, right? You can't make this thing and be like, "Here's all my favorite stuff." It's supposed to be. You know, you got to understand what they like. I knew at some point in this episode a rant was going to come up that was going to make me feel old and I didn't know it was going to happen right now, but he, oh. now's, now's the time. Okay. And what it is is like, I have no idea what courting in high school is like right now. I bet and, you they don't call it courting. I bet you they don't. <laughs> <laughs> You're definitely right. They're definitely not taking a gondola hey, down. Hey, fellow a, teens, what goes on with the courting rituals here? Are they like, get out. Have you had any success courting Jennifer? Is it going <laughs> premiums? Is it on fleek? <laughs> is it on? <laughs> but I have no idea. I have no idea how flirting that stuff works. And I want to warn you, my fair young listeners, I would say my under 30 listeners, it's coming for you. Because like, you know, high school is what usually in our culture sets pop culture. Mm. That's what stuff is made for. That's who knows what's up. And that's who artists are making stuff largely for oftentimes. And when you go up to college... You're still going to know that stuff, and you're still going to be watching the same channels and listening to the same stuff, so you're still going to be kind of hip, but then there's going to be this time where you're going to (laughs) decline post-college or a little after high school to your 30s where none of your friends are going to have teenage kids, and you're going to not know what's cool anymore, and it's going to keep going away. So before you judge, my young listener, it's coming for you. What I'm saying, though, is what's got to be timeless is listening to the person that you're interested in. Mm. Where this comes back to this unique style. That can't change from generation to generation. Where if you're trying to impress someone, get with someone, whatever, you need, A, you should be attracted to who they are and what their unique style is. (laughs) There needs to be more. But that should have been generated by the things you've heard them say and what they do and what they love. And that has got to still be going on. And that was critical for cassette tapes to play inside joke songs or play their favorite artist or their favorite track off an album that just came out. You know, critical, critical yeah. for the eating style. There it is. I'm off my old rickety boom box, my, my boom box soap box. Your boomer box. My boomer box. No, you can get out of here with that nonsense. <laughs> Not a boomer box. Uh, Let's see. So this person said, you have to use songs that you both listen to together. Ooh, now hmm? this is bridging the gap and it have is. meaning for you both. So that's a great point. Are you making this for somebody you like? don't know if they like you and you're trying to get their attention Ooh, yeah or is this somebody that maybe you've been dating for a while but this is a good point because there can also be not just what you like and what they like but what you all like together and sometimes it you know depending on what stage you are if you're dating somebody sometimes you want to introduce them to music that you think they'll like oh here's a new artist or here's a song you may not know about or you don't know this style of music so maybe a slip you know, a little little song in there to, to tease them with mm. like, hey, you're not big into this kind of music, but boom. What do you think about that? <laughs> what do you think, do you of, think about, do you think about Zoot that? Suit Riot? Are you into ska now? <laughs> Zoot Suit Riot. <laughs> little squirrel nut zippers in there. <laughs> you know, this is something that you both can kind of like, oh, like you said, sort of like an inside joke. Like, oh, it's her favorite song. Or, oh, we listened to this on her first date. Or, you know, something like that. It's fun. Yeah. You know, if you've been cruising around and a song came on that you both knew the lyrics to and you sang along to it and it was just like funny... Yeah. You know, some more like little romantic thing. Maybe you're, I don't know, you're, uh, you know, sitting out on make out point, but not making out. You're just watching the lights of the city and a song came on the radio and you're like, God, I love the song. You're like, yeah, I love that song too. Maybe you had a dance at the high school dance and nothing happened. 
but you felt something. You put that song on that you danced to that first time. Boom. Clutch. There it is. Magic. There it is. This one gets really philosophical, and I'm going to need your help. I'm going to wade into it. I'm going to need you to pull me out. Okay. I'm tying some cassette tape around my waist. Like okay. I'm walking to the Swamp of Sorrow yes. in the Neverending Story. I'm going to need you to pull me out so I don't You've die. got a little lead time, a bit of slack, but Thank not you. too much. This is, like just, this is Ghostbusters 2. I'm going down in the River of Slime. Make I've got sure a pencil in the little spokes of the cassette, and okay, I'm good. slowly unwinding it so you get a little bit of slack. <laughs> okay, good. Okay. So this person says, uh, the essential tip again for making a mixtape for your crush, not wading too deep into, quote, love song lake that you can't mm. swim out of it if you need to. Oof, Having yeah. plausible deniability is crucial for saving the feelings and embarrassment of both maker and recipient alike. That way, if it's not there, you can at least vibe out to the music without indelibly marking the songs on the tape for the rest of your lives. Can you help wow. me pull me out? I, like the magnetic oh, tape is barely holding, but barely I'm trying to on. reel you in. What just happened? What was just said? That was beautiful words. And I think the idea is like you're putting yourself out there. And if you go too big too far and the mm. person doesn't share the feelings, it's a big old matzo ball sitting oh. out there and you're like, ta-da! <laughs> and everyone's no. looking at you and you hear the one cough in the back <laughs> and it's super oh, awkward. No. Oh, no. So I think the idea is like you kind of have to balance it out a little bit. You can't just play a bunch of songs that are like, I'd rather die than not love you or – you're the only one for me. You know, you can't like put all these like crazy out there songs on there. And then the person's like, you know, you're such a great friend to me. And you're like, oh, twist of the knife. Have you ever had a song you associated with a person and now you don't care for that person? Oh, yeah. And the song's kind of ruined. Yeah. So imagine you make this whole mixtape super <laughs> awkward. They turn you down regardless of how well or not well they do it. And then all of a sudden you're like, I can't listen to these songs anymore. It's just, it's too cringy. I can't do it. So I think that's what they're getting at here. Okay, that helps. That helps. That helps a lot. So that's an essential skill. You have to kind of like hit the mark. So that was some great advice from the class of 80s high. Yeah. But you know what? I've got a pretty lengthy list to continue on. Do you have some uh, rules and tips as well? I don't have any rules per se. I mean, thoughts more about the experience of what you had to do. We've talked about some of this already where you really had to think through what was going to be on there. You had this finite amount of time. Yeah. And you didn't want to have like three minutes of dead air at the end, but how do you find that song? So, you know, there's a little bit of that. Okay. I got to do the math. Like what's this all going to add up to little wiggle room? What goes on a side versus B side? Cause we all listen to the A side more than we listen to the B side. It's just facts. Yeah. Also, there was this craft of like, before you had that cassette that had the radio built in that you could record from the same device. Sometimes you had to just place a boombox in front of speakers from another thing. <laughs> so you yeah. weren't even recording directly from the device. You're recording. And then you, you had to like put up a sign, like take the phone off the hook, tell your brother not to make noise when he came in the door. Like you just, you had all of this like audio control you had to do because you didn't want someone to come in and screw it up because your window was so small. So small. So those are the kind of things I think about. It's like that. And then, Do I write out the track list? Do I decorate it? Like there was a little bit of like the arts and crafts creativity that went into it as well. You've basically ran through the rest of all of my tips. This is perfect. No, this is, you crushed it. (laughs) You know, to to your point of like, you don't want blank air at the end. Remember like you have 90 minutes and you're trying to fill up every minute. So you're trying to calculate track lengths. So you Mm -hmm. use up all 45 minutes on either side. And there's also like, 
you're trying to avoid the dead air between songs. So can you blend them real well? So it's not just right. in the tape before another one comes. It's very jarring. It's not good. You also mention how you're picking the songs. And I think a really critical thing are the lyrics. Whereas a lot of high schoolers, teenagers, you were like aficionados because you loved a band, but you also loved because of the poetry that they wrote. Mm-hmm. And a song may really be really fun and jammy. And you think just because the chorus sounds good, this is the song to get her or to get him. Yeah. But then you listen to the rest of the lyrics. And you're like, oh, this song is about something horrific. Like, I'll be watching you by the police. Yeah, right. Or every it's, breath you take, every move you make, every bond you break, yeah. I'll be watching you. Stalker, stalker, <laughs> stalker. Or they can hit too hard. Again, this is teenage love, and you can't make a whole mixtape of ACDC with, uh, you know, coming to my bouncing balls and shook me all night long. This is, you're 15, calm down. You can't do this. <laughs> Chill out. Whoa, whoa, whoa. I found, um, so Nick Hornby wrote High Fidelity. In 1995. Mm -hmm. And then, of course, there's a great movie that comes out of it that has Jack Black and John Cusack in it. And John Cusack sort of plays the Nick Hornby character. And Mm -hmm. in it, there's a segment. You can go look this up on YouTube. You get a snippet of it. But read the book. It's even better. It's great. Mm -hmm. Where uh, Nick explains the essentials to making a perfect mixtape for that special someone. All right. And I'm just going to take one of the rules because I think it's so true. Okay. And it's picking the tone and the order of the first four songs. Oh, sets the tone. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. For the whole album. Because you're trying to get them right. to listen to the whole thing, right? This is your whole ballad. And so he basically like, just like a professional album or like a good rock show, your first two songs are bangers. Mm-hmm. They come out of the gate. They're awesome. You grab attention. They pique some interest. They're like, okay, this is fun. Like the first track is kind of fun and energetic. And then the second one like maybe has a little hint of the message you're trying to send. Still fun, still light on the surface. But he says, bring it down for track three. Track three is you've got their attention and this is your look in their eyes moment and tell them what's going on. Track three is where you're like, all right, here's what's going down. You keep them off their rhythm. They're expecting something else and you're like, shh, shh, shh. Now it's the time of the song where I talk and the music's real low. Right. And I tell you how much I love you, baby. Yeah. But what happens after you do that? What's the next track? Is it back up again? You got to bring it back up again. Yeah. You don't want to keep it too serious and too heavy too early. Like you, you don't want to drown somebody in these emotions. So bring it back up. Make it light again. It's fun. Like it's a roller coaster. Keep it light. Okay. Roller coaster of love. Red Hot Chili Peppers remix. Great recommendation for a mixed there track. You go. May make there one. it is. Last but not least, you touched on the arts and crafts of it. And that's huge. Oftentimes people would handwrite out all the track names yeah. and the artists and like, how are you going to write that? What's your handwriting like? Oh, God, is your handwriting too messy? Does it look like you're not spending uh, time on it? Don't misspell a word. Right, exactly. Oh, yeah. And then art, are you going to doodle it? And it all comes down to, oh, God, what do you call it? Mm-hmm. What is the name of this mix track that you are yeah. gifting? I think you call it Awesome Mix Volume 1. Awesome Mix Volume Oh, yeah, from uh, Guardians of the Galaxy. That's Guardians of the Galaxy. Great, Guardians of the Galaxy. That's a great soundtrack. Yeah, it's it's good. There's a lot of pressure on this. And then how and when, again, if this is for a crush, how to deliver this cassette. Do you try and leave it in their locker? Do you slip it in their backpack between periods? Do you like Mm. drop it in the open window of their car and they find it and they listen to it on the way home? A lot of art to the delivery. It's true. Last but not least, like we said, mixtapes, you know, it sounds like it's all about saying something, but it's really about showing how well you listen. And we listen to the class of 80s. Hi. And we asked them what three 80s songs have to be on your mixtape. And they could specify 
is this a romantic mixtape or is this yeah. like a fun party mix? Yeah. Man, we got some great tracks back. We sure did. I don't even know where to start. Do you want to just cannonball into this? Sure. So one of our listeners said, Video Killed the Radio Star. Mm-hmm. I remember this. I think we even mentioned in the Peter Gabriel uh, Sledgehammer episode, I think this was the first music video. Oh, you're right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Phil Collins, Feel It Coming in the Air of Night. This is just a song, like, the way he sings in the music, it almost feels timeless. It's kind of crazy. Like, it's just, there's a mood. And is, It's just mood. We're, I know you're one who likes to understand the research that goes into murder mysteries and things like that. Sure. Do you buy into the urban legends of Feel It Coming in the Air Tonight? I don't know what you're talking about. So uh, there's this theory that Feel It Coming in the Air Tonight is this urban legend that Phil Collins witnessed a murder. <laughs> and he knew who committed said murder. And this okay. is sort of a song trying to tell these people he saw what happened. This makes as much sense as playing Beatles albums backwards and Paul's dead and kill me, whatever, man. Yeah, that's nonsense. Absolute nonsense. Okay. And then the third thing, pretty much anything from the Breakfast Club soundtrack, which, duh, amazing soundtrack as oh, well. Oh, yeah. Perfect. Yeah. What else? Someone's sing-along, just like, hey, a great sing-along mix from the 80s, Don't Stop Believing. Mm-hmm. Fantastic. Mm-hmm. Hungry Like the Wolf. Ooh. Super good. Duran Duran. And I want to dance with somebody. Yeah. Somebody to love. That's so good. Well, it's funny you mentioned those songs, Ben, because uh, we have another responder who had some very similar, in fact, two of those three songs show up on this person's list as well. So this person says, oh my, there are so many themes to go with here. 70s punk cashing in and making top 40 hits. So Think so good. Hot, 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 or We Got the Beat. New wave sad songs that sound happy. The birth of metal. Oddly amazing movie theme songs, because that was a thing in the 80s. I love the creativity of these and the specificity of these playlists. New wave sad songs that sound happy. That's so specific. (laughs) What is that? It's so great. And then this listener goes on to say, I'm going with sneaky good pop songs that my favorite bands made rock versions of in the 2000s. Try fitting that on the little cassette. You don't have that much space. You don't have a lot of space on there. That's four lines right there. So what comes back? I Want to Dance with Somebody by Whitney Houston. Later covered by Fall Out Boy. Oh, yeah, right. Hungry Like the Wolf by Duran Duran, later covered by Muse, Mm. and The Promise by When in Rome, later Hey Mercedes. I don't know this song, The Promise. Maybe if I heard it? Yeah, if you heard it, you're probably like, yeah. I love that there's a band called When in Rome. Didn't know that. It's great. And then this person says, as a note, anyone who puts Africa by Toto in this space is a revisionist, and I will fight them. I don't exactly know what they're talking about. I don't understand that either, because it's been covered a ton, but it came out in 82, so it's an 80s song, but did it like... Did Toto cover a song? That's Mm. what I'm wondering. Did Toto cover Africa by someone else that came out before 82? I'm so curious. Please follow up with us on Insta or Twitter or email us and let us know what's revisionist about Toto's Africa. We need to ask people their names again so we know who submits what. Yeah. I love it. So this person, this last person's got one. Uh, this is kind of sort of their like relaxing and chilling at home mix is what they've done. Yeah. So they have Shout by Tears for Fears. Which I find funny that a song called Shout is relaxing. Yeah. I get it. Shout. There's like industrial percussion in that though, which is intense. Like, you know, shout, yeah. clank, shout, clank, let it all out, clank. Oh, so good. This is a great one. Sunglasses at Night by Corey Hart. Oh. <laughs> Don't mess around with the guy and Yeah! Oh, oh, 
Oh, it's so good. His voice is amazing. Um, Wait. Oh, this song comes back. And once again, In the Air Tonight by Phil Collins. In the Air Tonight by Phil Collins. I'm glad it came back. song about witnessing a murder. I do want to clarify. The urban legend is actually Phil from a distance saw somebody drowning and somebody was nearby who could have helped and did not help. And so he's calling out to the person like, I know that you didn't help this person when they were drowning. A little close. Not a direct murder, but negligence, one might say. That is the most passive-aggressive thing Phil's ever done. Super passive. I saw you do this. I'm going to put in a song. Wait, I'm not going to report it. I'm not going to yeah. uh, try and help save this person myself. But everyone on Earth is eventually going to hear about it. <laughs> right. right. <laughs> uh, so I did assign you a little homework. Did you put together some short mixtapes for the 80s? I did. So what category do you want to start with, Benjamin? Let's do the, uh, like, I've got sort of like the fun, pump-me-up, like, road trip category. What's like your fun mix? So road trip mixtape. Yes. I Can't Drive 55 by Sammy Hagar. It's <laughs> amazing. Super good. Super, super good. One foot on the brake and one on the gas. Yeah. Oh, so good. Uh, the Boys of Summer, Don oh, Henley. Oh, good one. Yeah, 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 yeah. Girls Just Want to Have Fun, oh. Miss Cindy Lapper. Um, yeah, good one. ZZ Top songs, I just feel like are very. Oh, they always yeah. had like those like 30s, 40s roadster cars yeah. with yeah, the like yeah, exposed yeah. engine. Yeah. I wish they all could be California girls. Oh, super good. This is like a summer road trip and mix for sure. And some of these I just remember because I remember the music videos because a lot of my early music stuff is actually from MTV, more so than like oh, listening yeah. to the radio. And the other one I have for a road trip, which this one is ridiculous, but I added it because as a kid, I loved the movie The Wizard. Oh, God. Which we're going to talk about at some oh point Oh, my in time. God. Oh, God. But there's a song when they're like riding on the motorcycles and they're going across the country. Send Me an Angel by, I think it's like, Get oh Real. I think it's like, Send Me an Angel. You know that one? I love that song for some reason as a kid. So I'm like, this would have been on my road trip mixtape back then. How about oh, you? Oh, that is a surprise pick. I like that. I like that. Is that, that good? Is that and good? You, okay, since I failed and I combined mine, what's on your fun mix? So my Get Pumped mixtape, I put Rebel Yell by Billy Idol. Oh, great song. Mom. Beat It, Michael Jackson. Oh, yeah. Nice. Nice. Good Good, one. Good. I Love Rock and Roll by Joan Jett and the Blackhearts. Oh, great. I Love Rock Rock and Roll. roll. Actually, I want to dance with somebody from Whitney Houston. Really? Yeah. Yeah. And then Rock the Casbah by The Clash. Oh, yeah. Rock the Casbah. God, I wish I had thought about that. That's a good pick. Here's what I love. I was wondering if you and I would have any overlap or be have different... We don't have a single overlap, which is cool. A no-verlap. This is a uh, no-verlap. a no-verlap. Okay, what you got? So I combined mine into road trip and fun. And some of them are very obvious and on the nose, but, you know, that's not my music style to pick something that's hidden. I, I, want, I want on the nose. Kind of like you did. Yours are two. You're popular, too. Yeah, play uh, on. Don't Stop Believing by Journey. Oh, of course. Gra- I mean, windows down. Don't stop. Believe. So good. Yeah. Obviously, I'm a huge movie nut, so these next two are because I love the movies they're in. Oingo Boingo's Weird Science. Oh, yeah. Weird Weird Science. science. So fun. Huey Lewis and the News, Back in Time. Mm. Uh, Their songs for uh, Back to the Future were awesome. Oh, yeah. So great. I think you'll dig this one. Katrina and the Waves, Walking on Sunshine. Mm. Walking on Sunshine. Yeah. So good. It makes me feel good. Uh, Duran Duran's Hungry Like the Wolf. Just because it's a fun song. Yeah. I wanted to throw a little curveball in here. This is for like the, you know, if you make a mixtape for someone else, what's the little fun surprise in there? Okay. Uh, Technotronic Pump Up the Jam. (laughs) 
Is that the 80s? It's like right at the tail end. Oh, wow. Okay. Pump up the jam. jam pump it pump up. It up. <laughs> so good. Let me say, show you how to do yeah, this. Yeah, you got it. You got to See, come on. This. That's fun for driving around. Do it fine. Oh, so good. All right. What was on your mix for a crush? People, don't you know? Don't was it you also know it's about time? Pump up the jam? <laughs> Okay, so Crush, uh-huh. going back to soundtrack from The Breakfast Club, mm. Don't You Forget About Me by uh, Simple Minds. It's good. It's good. Also, going back to the Back to the Future, The Power of Love. Oh, I Huey, almost put it Liz, on there. And the I'm news. So close. Good one. Really good one. This might border on your inappropriate, but there's All Night Long by Lionel Richie. Oh, all night long. <laughs> it's a little it's a little all ACDC night, she shook me all night, night long. long. Yeah. Exactly. I get, I get it. It's good. Madonna Crazy for You. Ooh, that's a really good pick. That's a good, yeah, yeah. And this is. might be one of those don't go too far too fast. You need to make sure you're Ooh, gauging this properly. Roll. Are you ready for this one? Mm-hmm. Heaven is a place on earth, Belinda Carlisle. <laughs> you can't give that to somebody and be like, Ooh, baby, heaven is a place on earth. And they're like, dude, I just Ooh, freaking baby, met you. It's my first day in school. You've given me a mixtape that says heaven is a place on earth. Yeah. Too soon. Too soon. Too soon. <laughs> I'm not going to lie. My crush mixtape hits a little hard. Oh, the dear. songs that came to mind, but I would have to like space them out. These are not the first four songs. They would be somewhere on the mixtape. Okay. What you got? Journey's Open Arms. Mm, Here I, I am with open arms. Nothing Gosh, I don't know if I remember fear. that song. Believe what huh. I, Yeah. It's great. Okay. That's good. Uh, Depeche Mode, I Just Can't Get Enough. Oh, yes, 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 yes. Oh, yeah. So I think that's safe because it's like light, it's poppy, it's, you know, it's not as heavy. Journey's Open Arms is like... It's not I'll be watching you 24-7. No, 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 no. no. I also think a fun one that you could put a front, AHA's Take On Me. Oh, yeah. Take On... I'm not even going to try and hit the high note. Yeah, hit the high note. Hit the high note. No, no. But there was a great... Did you ever listen to their... uh, Maybe like seven or eight years ago, they did an Unplugged. Uh, AHA did Unplugged Take On Me. And it's like tearjerker. It's beautiful. Nice. So good. Okay. Uh, and last Did you put Pat Benatar's love as a battlefield? That's what I need to know. <laughs> yeah, our love will be battlefield. Um, Maybe that's the breakup song. Yes, that's love what you- is a battlefield. Yeah, that's so good. And last but not least, Foreigners, I Want to Know What Love Is. Oh, yeah, that's a good one. You know, because it made me think there's a song, you might be able to tell me who the current artist is, but there's one that uh, my wife and I laugh about a lot where it's like, I want to fall in love with someone just like you. Oh. Somebody like I want to be with someone just like you. It's a contemporary song, and okay. we always laugh that it's like not on the nose. Like I want to be with you. It's like I want to be yeah. someone kind of like you. Yeah, and I feel like Foreigner is a little passive like that too, where it's like I want to know what love is. Maybe it's with you. Maybe it's not. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah, it's good. It's safe. Play I like it. Safe. Like I want to find someone like you. Like you're you're fine. But if someone else like you comes so along, like you, they might work as well. <laughs> also be acceptable. TBD. TBD. Oh my God. Uh, that's all I have for chemistry. That's our last track. Hopefully you have one of those newfangled boomboxes that when it hits the end of side A, it automatically switches to side B. Ooh. And what would be on side B of this podcast, Ben? If we've reached the end of side A and it's lunchtime now, what's going to be on the flip side? Well, the lunchtime is a great transition. On side B, join us for contemporary culture and math class. I can't hardly wait. Ooh, can't hardly wait! Perfect. It's the best part of the day. You put all your cares away. Get ready for a smile on your face. It's just the right time and just the right place. The music you love, the movies you 
special Columbia House offers this month in selected magazines, newspapers, and your mail. Great. Okay, so I was a little nervous. I don't know if you saw me do this. I did give my milk to uh, you know who, but under the milk carton was the mixtape that I made for them. Ooh. So we'll see. Oh boy, that was sly. I know. We'll, well be done. watching well afterwards. Done. Oh boy. So mixtapes, we sort of teased it a little bit in our conversation, but where did mixtapes go after the eighties? Mm-hmm. And really, the main thing that we've we've been Beating around the bush, we've mentioned a couple times, are mixed CDs. Yeah. You you had the rewritable CDs come out in 1997, and that was sort of the beginning of the death nail for mixed cassette tapes. CDs were just really easy to choose. You drag and drop from whatever computer software you had, burn it and rip it on your computer. Cheap and easy and fast. And cassettes had that issue of degradation, right? Like over time, the, yeah. the magnetic tape would just degrade. Same thing with VHS. And now you had this more digital medium where... Pretty much lasts forever. I assume if you go find an old CD, pop it in, it's probably still going to work just fine. Totally. Do you have any opinions on the transition from cassettes to CDs? You know, it's one of those things where you're kind of making that bridge from what I would consider analog to digital. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Clearly, way better quality when you make that switch over. But you lose a little something without having the analog. And I think that's why you see such a return to analog stuff these days. Is there's just like a um, a realism, a, a tactile, lived-in quality that you yeah. don't get when something is digital and clean and pure and, you know, it sort of just exists in a cloud and it exists in data, but it's not a thing you can like hold on to. And I feel like this is like that first transition into that with CDs. Yeah. Also, what a pain in the butt when you had it in your car and the skip protection was only eight seconds <laughs> and you, you're going down like a bumpy road. Nothing was worse than yeah. when your freaking CD would skip or it Terrible. couldn't find its spot and it just it gave up. It's like <laughs> I searched, it. I, I looked, know. my laser eye is tired, I can't find it. How about track one again? I quit. You just went, I quit. You, yeah. You put it first. How about we try yeah. that again? And you could just hear it kind of groany, like like it's trying to find, and you're like, I know it's Please been too long. Kill me. Um Robot disabled. I'm jumping a little ahead to math class, but I think. One of the essential parts that we talked about with cassettes is it took time. And anytime you're trying to do a gesture, whether it's on a crush or just somebody you care about, time is often an essential ingredient to displaying how important that person is to you because you're willing to give up your personal time to create this thing for them. And cassettes took, like you said, they could take weeks of waiting by the radio to get the exact songs you want and all the stuff you got to do. True. And a burn CD is like the equivalent of like printing off your friend's favorite memes and like giving a packet to them. Like two seconds to make that collection. I mean, I wouldn't say two seconds. I mean, you still have to curate the songs, sure. right? You still have to go find them, assuming you don't have them all. Put them in order. That makes sense. And you still sense. have to put them in an order. So yeah, you'd lose a little something, but I feel like Sure, the medium has changed, the technology has changed, but the intent is still there. And I think evidenced by the fact that you and I did a ton of burning CDs of these mixed compilations of songs, whether it's for ourselves or other people, suggests that I think it was still there. Yeah, it may not have taken as much time, but people still put that care and attention into it. Or you'd like, you'd make a fake insert and you'd like cut it out 
and you'd pop open the jewel case and you'd oh, crease yeah. it down. So when it's on its oh, side, my. you could see like Ben's awesome compilation number three. And then you know, like sometimes in the back, you could like, oh, you can make like a fake booklet when you open the jewel case and you pull the little insert out and it opens up and you could have like a message in there. Yeah, you can yeah, still yeah. do a lot of cool creative stuff. Yeah. And some people even had something where you could like print onto the CD itself. Like you could that actually- was schmancy. I remember yeah. that. I was not a recipient of that. That is very schmancy. Very schmancy. But like you could do that or you could at least, um, I remember when I made a few CDs, I, I would like design it and print an insert so you could like put it in the yeah, jewel case. I would do the same thing. And there was like sticky paper you could buy where you could like design the, yeah. uh, the, the CD label and then print it and then stick it on the CD label. True. That was cool. Yeah, handwriting was also a dangerous proposition because if you messed up the writing, you it's like those cassettes. You're like, okay, well, that's one and done. Yeah. I mean, I guess you could go burn another CD, yeah. which is easier than re-recording everything. As we know, the preeminent commentator on pop culture today is BuzzFeed. And, um, <laughs> Obviously. And they had a quote that I thought was kind of interesting. I want to see how it lands with you. Is They said like making a mixtape is like taking a selfie today. And I, I think that's really aimed at like teenagers taking a selfie. Because have you seen, have you seen kids these days? Trying to take the perfect selfie of themselves or one other person. It's like a thousand photographs. They take a thousand photographs to figure out the one they're going to make their social media profile picture or something. I mean, you say they, but I do the same thing. I'm trying to like <laughs> take a picture of myself. I'm like, up nose? No, thank you. Oh. Why's my eyebrow up? Oh, what is, is a bugger in my nose? Like, yeah. Okay. Chin flap. No, thank you. Chin f- Everyone knows you're a giant human rooster in a human suit. I, I would, I don't think that's the best analogy. No, I would agree. I mean, there's, there's, an as, there's an aspect of trying to convey something about yourself you want people to perceive. I get that. There's a little bit there. I think the better analogy is I'm going to go make a playlist for you on Spotify. What Are you looking at my notes? Because that is a perfect segue to my next question. If you, why do you have to search for the, it's like taking a selfie. No, it's like creating a playlist now. It's just a lot freaking easier to do. Yeah. So tell, as someone who has not actually ever done that, I've got playlists for myself on my iPhone that I made in iTunes and that's it. How does one create a modern mixtape in this world? Well, I I do want to pause real quick. I want to, I feel like we jumped one step, which we talked about earlier, which is Napster. And so you had mixed CDs and burning CDs and all that kind of stuff, which you would do and, you know whether you burn them from your own CDs or however you gather mm. that media could do that. But then Napster comes along and obviously changes the game completely because now you can access any songs that are out there for free, granted, not legally, but that was a huge wave because the music industry refused to go digital. And so the market basically said, this is what we want. And it took a long time for the recording industry and all these labels to finally yeah. get to a point now where it's like, sure, it still happens. But I think for the most part, the markets are there. People go buy the things. And nowadays, you don't even go buy music. Why? Because you have Spotify, you have Apple Music, you have any number of those services out there Ooh. where you can just stream it. Uh, sometimes for free or, you know, you cut commercials and you pay for it. So to your question, Ben, how do you create a playlist? It's pretty simple. You just go find a bunch of songs that you like and you add them to a playlist. Like it's super easy. And the nice thing about Spotify is there's tons of pre-made lists. Yeah. And they're generally pretty good. Sure. There's tons about the 80s. You can, you know, oh if you want to have that 80s nostalgia button, go have fun and find them all. But also like in the spirit of a mixtape, I have my mix, which is probably 60 songs right now that are 
all kinds of songs. They're yeah. just my favorite songs. There are right. tons of stuff I like. Sure. And so it's pretty easy just to go out there and create this collection. I don't have to go buy all these songs. And, you know, mixtape culture really fits, I think, nicely with how we take in music these days, which is we're streaming songs. We're not necessarily streaming albums. Sure, you can listen to an album. It's just not the same. People don't take in and therefore the recording artists don't necessarily make albums like they used to because you think of Pink Floyd's Dark Side of the Moon and that's an album you're supposed to listen beginning to end to and it's, just, yeah. it's supposed to take you on this experience. And sure, some artists do that now because they really identify with the album. But I feel like a lot of music isn't made that way anymore because that's not how people listen anymore or not as much. Anyway, all to say, I think the spiritual successor is a Spotify playlist or an Apple Music playlist. That's the spiritual successor of these mixtapes. Again, the medium changes, the technology changes, but the intent is still kind of there. Yeah. It's just easier to do now. And I, I love I love the analogy you made with Napster. Because again, like this was, when we look at mixtapes in the late 70s and the 80s, this was music people wanted to get their hands on and to have. And the corporate market refused to meet the, the masses where they wanted and would yep. make cool mixtapes of like different music that was getting mixed played by DJs or artists. And so like, you know what? I'm going to go press my own, not press, I'm going to record my own cassettes, maybe yeah. slightly illegally sampling other music that other people have copyright to, to give the people what they want. And it took the record industry like almost 20 years to finally be like, all right, we'll do mix CDs of the artists on our labels and that kind of stuff. Yeah. And the same was with Napster. Man, if you're a late 80s kid or someone who just loved music in the late 90s, that was a knockout ugly fight. For, mm-hmm. for Napster and LimeWire. They were suing grandmas, right? Like yeah. old ladies were being sued Webster. It was by the nuts. recording industry. And some music artists came down hard on that and <sighs> got backlash. Like I think Van, no. Um, What's that guy's name? From Metallica. Uh, Metallica. Yeah, Metallica was a big one. What is that guy's name? Lars Ulrich. Yeah. Look, Lars. We'll never forget what you tried to do to kill Napster. Yeah. So yeah, I mean, that's a point. So as someone who's not done this, you can build a playlist in Spotify. You're like, I like this song. Cool. Add it to my playlist. And then you can share that with someone else. You kind of email them the link to your playlist. And that's how you make a mixtape for someone today. Yeah, you could do that too. Yeah. I mean, if you have a playlist, you can share it with anybody. Interesting. Yeah, totally. Uh, I'm going to revisit that in math class. But yeah, okay. I get it. No one's ever sent me a Spotify playlist. I like that's kind of fun. Listeners. Let me know. I will compile a playlist and send it to Benjamin on your behalf. <laughs> Please do. So that he can be the recipient of all it. of these Ooh, and don't tell curated me, playlists. Don't tell me what the purpose is. Don't name them. I want to figure oh. out if it's a crush remix or like a road trip. Or a, or a death threat. Or t- <laughs> <laughs> Let the bodies, Let the bodies, at, the bodies floor. at the floor. I'll be watching you. Yeah, I'm definitely on being hunted right now. Lie in our graves? Let the bodies hit the floor? <laughs> what is this Murder? That's like one of the ones, you know, that, like I said, the trap of like, don't pick a song just because it sounds fun because you need to know the lyrics. Yeah. Pumped Up Kicks is a great song that falls into that trap. Pumped Up Kicks. You better run, better run, faster than my bullet, all the oh, other yeah, kids. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So like, it's got a great beat. It's super fun. But I think it's about school shootings. Like it's about- Run ki- faster than my bullet. Yeah, it's about kids trying to outrun like guns. And like, the lyrics are horrifying. <sighs> I mean, that's awful, yeah. Lyrics are super critical, people, when you're trying to convey the message. Anyway, right. since we started this podcast episode, 
with the history of mixtapes in hip hop, I do need to explain a little bit about where hip hop went after the 80s with mixtapes. It's just, okay. and it's not long, but it is contemporary culture, and that's what we do in contemporary All culture. Right. Uh, so as I mentioned, it's sort of at the top, it started to bleed into mashups as we get into the 90s, and that was really led by DJ's Grandmaster Flash, DJ Cuber, DJ Spooky, which I, I actually have a lot of DJ Spooky and a lot of DJ Shadow stuff, mm. and DJ Z-Trip, uh, the Avalanches, and RJD2, which is another one I actually have a bunch of tracks of, are really mm. the, the, the gang who came up with mashups. It's kind of evolving the remix to mashups of layering different songs over each other, beats mm-hmm. from one song, but the lyrics from another song to like make something totally new. Uh, and that juxtaposition was like a cool art style. Mm-hmm. Game Super Changes with a rapper known as Half Dollar. Okay. Can you think of a, another name for a rapper named Half Dollar? Would that be 50 Cent? Would be Mr. 50 Cent himself. Changes the game because I guess apparently, according to the, the history that I found on this, is really the first rapper to do uh, a mixtape that is all his own original music. Hmm. Because he got dropped from Columbia Records. And he's like, you know what? I loved what was happening back in the 70s and 80s with mixtapes. And if I can't land a record deal right now, I'm going to make them myself. Mm-hmm. It was uh, him and also DJ Woo Kid. Uh, we're sort of the artists who took this traditional mixtape and kind of flipped it on its head to what we know of it today, where like an artist raps and freestyles over pre-existing popular beats and then releases that tape on their own. Okay. Uh, so they're kind of revolutionary in that time. Really big. And then in recent years, really big artists are still doing it. You've got artists like Drake, who mm-hmm. did So Far Gone, which is a self-released mixtape. Mm-hmm. Uh, Kalani has done it. And I think other more recent ones that were really popular, Kendrick Lamar's Overly Dedicated, Chance the Rapper's Acid Rap. These are also just like self-released mixtapes. Like, this is my own music. I'm going to mix it all together. It's a little yeah, different yeah. than just like my own album. Right. But uh, it's still happening today, just, you know, not in a physical cassette tape, maybe like we're used to. For sure. Any other influences you've seen from the mixtapes and how they thrived, dove, existed after 1989? I just thought about mixtapes showing up in popular media, thinking oh, like thank shows you. and movies. I meant to do that and I forgot. Thank you. What yes, you I know I'm going to miss some of them, but just a few that I looked up slash came to mind. I mentioned the Awesome Mix Volume 1. That's Peter awesome. Quill's mix from Guardians was, of the Galaxy. really good. Volume 1, which was great. Killer playlist. There's also Nick and Nora's Infinite playlist from 2008, which oh, is a rom-com yeah, that centered yeah, around yeah. a series of breakup mix CDs. So that probably has some more of those darker... Lyrics on it. There's the movie Adventureland, The Perks of Being a Wallflower. Mm. And last year in 2021, there was a movie called Mixtape. Oh. The synopsis is a young girl accidentally destroys the mixtape that belonged to her mother, and she sets out to track down each of the obscure songs on the cassette. So she's trying to rebuild. Yeah, it's kind of a cool... You know, probably like mother and daughter connecting through this, you know, music that she's probably not familiar with. And it's kind of cool. Weirdly enough, that's the same background of Awesome Mix Volume 1. Peter Quill's mix, his mom made for him. It's the last thing she gives him before she passes away. Little similarities. What did I say? Making a mixtape can make you legend in someone's memory forever. And then the last one I came up with was the Hamilton soundtrack. Uh, So Lin-Manuel Miranda released a mixtape after... It became a Broadway sensation, and the soundtrack came out. He released a mixtape, I think, a couple years after. Mm. 
It was a mix of like musicians covering some of the songs from the show and some deleted songs that didn't make it to the final cut of the show. Mm, and so okay. when I listened to it, and it's actually pretty cool, like Sia's on it and just a lot of different artists. It's really cool. And so um, even Jimmy Fallon sings one what? of the King George songs. It's really crazy. But anyway, um, those are some of the examples I could think of in like pop culture where mixtapes were kind of a big part of it. And I think that one for Hamilton is actually called the Hamilton mixtape. So, oh, okay. I, you know, out of respect, I will pull back my shock at Jimmy Fallon singing because, like, that used to be his bit on SNL. Like, he kind of like Adam Sandler would write a lot of goofy songs. That's true. Like, he was a songwriter and a But musician. still, if okay. I said, who do you think made the cut of this mixtape? I don't think Jimmy Fallon <laughs> would be. Jimmy Fallon would not have been at the ever top of the list. a. No. Name or contender. So, yeah. <laughs> totally, very, you know, very reasonable reaction. That's a very fair point. So that's what I have for contemporary culture. I think it's just safe to say, again, I think the intent and the spirit of mixtapes continue. The medium and the technology is what has changed. Yeah. And as, as that technology has changed, it's gotten lighter for us to carry it around and personalize these mixtapes rather than rooms full of hardware. So why don't we carry everything we've amassed so far down to math class and see how mixtapes hold up in 2022. We're going to put it on the scales. Well, I'm going to say, I have a boombox in my left hand. Beautiful. Uh, like a big one. Oh, it's so, getting oh, kind of okay. heavy. It's, a, it's oh, running on D batteries. there's 19 D batteries in the yeah. back of it. Yeah. Oh, and I've got a Sony Walkman in the other one. Incredibly light. It runs on four double A's. The scales, oof. Don't compare. Night and day. You know what's crazy is when I look back on what we've talked about on mm -hmm. this episode, in the first segment, one might say we went back in time with Huey Lewis in the news to talk about the history. Okay. Then we may have experimented with some weird science. Oh, dear. Boingo, boingo. Oh, my God. In chemistry. And now I'm just so happy about talking so much about cool music. I kind of feel like I'm walking on sunshine. I'm not going <sighs> to lie. I thought you were going to say we've come back to the future. <laughs> we got to come back. <laughs> Let me press play and record at the same time okay. and kick us off on what you think about mixtapes today. Ben, I may not be able to drive 55, but when I hit 88 miles an hour, 88. you're going to see some serious shit. So <laughs> okay. Beautiful. Mixtapes. Oh, yeah. They represent a time and place when our ambitions exceeded our technology. Ooh. And we found a way to break free of those constraints to express ourselves and collect our favorite music in one place. Mm -hmm. And while we have amazing technology at our fingertips, at the tap of a screen, we can hear pretty much any music ever recorded. Yeah. I'll always have a soft spot in my heart for expressions that are homemade, unpolished, and honest. Mm. It's like the kid who makes a coupon book as a gift for their parents. I will do chores. I will give you a hug. I won't complain about dinner. Or a spouse who creates a memory album for your anniversary, no. right? Or curating a carefully crafted mixtape that shares your joys, interests, and feelings with someone else we choose to mm -hmm. let into our lives in a new way. So it's amazing. I hope mixtapes and the spirit of their creation continues to live on because music yeah. is a powerful expression and curating music for someone you care about is even more powerful. Ooh. As Huey would say, that's the power of love. Oh, wow. Little mic drop. Excellent. 
it's hard for me to say it any better. I, you know, I'll, I'll split into two ways. One, I find the cultural origins of mixtapes to hold up really strong, where you mm-hmm. have artists who want to create and distribute their creations in ways that the system currently doesn't permit. So they're going to break those chains and break those bonds and invent something new to get their message out to the world. Yeah. And I think that is awesome and admirable from what we saw out of hip hop and R&B in the 70s and 80s in New York City. I think that's super cool. And I think that goal and that spirit still thrives today for artists of all mediums, not just music, but how are you going to get your art out? And it, it can't be confined necessarily by the normal channels, which I think is is really cool. Mm-hmm. I'm right there with you with, I think, the craftspersonship of making a mix of some kind is awesome and a lot of fun. And I enjoy that. If I've, you know, I've got a free weekend afternoon, I'll make a new playlist on iTunes or Spotify, maybe for myself, maybe for someone else, maybe for honestly, for like a, a road trip I've got coming up. I've definitely done that. I'll oftentimes like when I do road trip playlists contemporarily, I'll try and make it of artists from the destination I'm going to mm. or like music about the place that I'm going to. That if, that's, and that's kind of fun to like, Start to get your mind in the frame of like what that place is all about. So that's kind of cool. Right. Enjoy that. But the thing that has been lost in all of this technological efficiency is the patience, is the artwork that goes into it. Still, you need to think about the order. You need to think about the lyrics. What is the message you're trying to convey? But what's lost in that message is how much time it took you to do that for somebody Mm. of, of, you know, sitting by the stereo and waiting for the perfect song to come on and recording and calculating the time left on every side of the tape and the hand-drawn artwork, you know, all that is gone. And hopefully, like I said, when I, in my old person rant, the point of putting time and effort into courting my lady uh, with today's teenagers or my sir or my fluid Mm. is is not lost Mm -hmm. Uh, and that is still an essential part of uh, getting in good with somebody so i love it it's great please send your mixtapes to 80s high podcast at gmail.com don't tell me the purpose because i want to try and figure it out on my own i would love it that'd be so much fun care of benjamin care of benjamin uh and that ladies and gentlemen was mixtapes very exciting it's a wonderful phenomenon. I'm so glad you chose it. It's something that I think we've been thinking about for a while. And yeah. it just felt like a, a great little topic to, I think, once again, we're, we're starting off 2022 with variety. That's been yeah. sort of our goal. And that was another piece of that. I'm really excited. Well, Super cool. and it's a meta topic pick because Ooh. 80s High Podcast is a mixtape that we, we carefully curate. <laughs> we think about what next topic should be, what order they're going to go in. This is a mixtape of 80s nostalgia for you, dear listener, that we carefully think about you and what you would love. It's just 40 hours long, so... (laughs) It's so... 90 minutes, be damned out of here. Get 10 five-hour energies and get ready. (laughs) Oh, man. That being the case, on the Mm -hmm. next leg of our 80s high road trip... Yes. What do our listeners have to look forward to on the mix? Well, I'm bringing more variety to our next Ooh. episode, Ben. Carrot Top. Props and... out of a box. <laughs> it's you know, be. it's been fun talking about mixtapes in this episode. Yeah. As a collection of songs and sounds that we can all like identify with. Mm-hmm. And for our next episode, I'd like to talk about another kind of collection we became obsessed with in the 1980s. Oh, 
Because I have a thousand guesses, but I don't want to. I don't want to sweep you. Okay. Because in 1985, a phenomenon struck that few kids could escape, much to the dismay and outrage of their parents. Oh my god, what is it? In fact, I recall a group of us sneaking these collectibles onto the playground in second grade to line them up and stare in wonder at our creation. Oh my god, what is it? And what a gross, demented, nasty creation it was. I'm talking about a little product of Topps Company. I know what it is. Released in 1985, originally designed as a parody of the hottest doll of the time. Oh, so interesting. Great. Oh, yeah. And that went on to become a sensation in its own right. Disgusting and delighting a generation. So listeners, tear open a wax pack. Check it for that nasty Nick card you desperately want and bite into a desiccated stick of powdery gum. Because on our next episode, we're flipping through the collection of cringeworthy, controversial oh God, curios called Garbage Pail Kids. Garbage Pail Kids! Oh, man. Oh. Crazy, crazy selection. I am so interested to it's, get back into this. I won't talk too much, but it came up in conversation with a friend of mine and... I was just like, this has been on the list, and it just felt like another fun, different thing. So I'm excited to – I was big into this as a kid. I love these cards, and so I'm excited to kind of dive back in and revisit the very nasty, the very disgusting, but strangely delightful Garbage Pail Kids. And superly, again, I just said meta. This is meta too because almost every card is a commentary on like something happening in pop culture or real culture. Like, yep. This is going to, history class is going to get intense. I'm excited. Good pick. Not to mention they're a parody of Cabbage Patch Dolls. So it's like, yeah, stacks on stacks matter. It's great. We're so excited. Ben, thanks for taking us through this episode of Mixtapes. I, however, just heard the DJ in the background say that one of the songs I've been waiting all day to record is coming on. So I need to go listen intently so I can finish this tape. Maybe for you. We don't know. Who's to say? Who's to say? But we'll catch you all next time. On 80s High. (laughs) Thanks everyone for listening to 80s High Podcast by Ben and Chris. Our theme song is by Greg Reed at gregreedmusic.com with vocals by Chad Bumford. Show artwork is by Alex Goddard at alexgoddarddesign.com. If you like the show, please support us by passing a note to a friend in your next class. Also, you can rate us five stars on Apple Podcasts to help spread the rumor. Stay radical.